All right, here we go. It's episode 18 of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Jason Matitas with you. After the Flyers had an OT loss last night, two two-goal deficits they overcame. And as I sit here today, I'm still not sure how I feel about it. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about TK. We'll talk about some D with the man from the fourth period.com, Anthony DeMarco from a stormy, winter stormy Montreal in just a moment. Let me tell you about Bet Parks. Today's the day of the Broad Street Boost, everybody. It's actually a today slash tomorrow Broad Street Boost, but you got to get the Bet Parks app. It's fantastic. Get all your action in and all the hockey, all the hoops, college and pro. Football, college and pro, huge college football weekend. Uh, and obviously, the NFL season is steaming along. You got uh, college and pro hoops. You've got golf. You've got international soccer. You got one more Formula One race at Yas Marina in Abu Dhabi this weekend to wrap up the season. So get your action in on all of it with the Bet Parks app. Download it. Easy to use, fun to use, player performances, same game parlays, live in game betting, props, you name it. It's all there. Futures. Check out the Bet Parks app, and here is your Broad Street boost for this week. Okay, Flyers money line tomorrow night against the Bruins. Bruins, ho hum, fourteen and two. They're just a fucking wagon. They're unbelievable right now. The money line for the game is plus two fifty right now. They boosted it for everyone already to plus three hundred for tomorrow night. But if you use this promo code, Underdog, all one word, U N D E R D O G, all caps. You will get it boosted to plus 350. So the Flyers money line, I actually like the Flyers tomorrow night in this game. I know Boston's 14 and 2. I know Boston's 9 and 0 at home. I actually like the Flyers in that game tomorrow night for some reason. To me, it's just one of those weird spots that I think they can take advantage. I don't know. But I'm going to play it. Plus 350 tomorrow night. It's available in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. So download the Bet Parks app today. Get in on all the action. You're going to love it. You need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, our friends at Conquerville Subaru. I've been with them for many years. I literally, I'm 50. I bought my first car there in 1989. And many, many since. I trust. Conquerville is, cares, it's just not a saying. It's a fact. And what they've done to continue their work in the community, unparalleled. They are the first Subaru Nation Love Promise dealer of the year winner back in 2015. And right now, starting, how about this? November 17th, tomorrow, it's the Subaru Share the Love Again, the love event again. And then it goes from tomorrow through January 3rd. Now, Subaru will donate $250 for every new car sold to one of five charities. You get to pick either the ASPCA, Make-A-Wish, Meals on Wheels, Nations Parks, and Conquerville Subaru's hometown charities, Namor's Children's Hospital of Delaware, and November, great time to visit the beautiful showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. It is a great showroom. Great time for the holiday season. So check out the certified pre-owned inventory and also a list of incoming Subaru vehicles. And it is more than a dealership. They have an award-winning service department. Get a free car wash with every visit. So visit ConquerVilleSubaru.com. All the details are there. Check out the showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. And remember, Concordville cares. Let's go north of the border where a Subaru would be the perfect vehicle to be driving around in the snow, safe and good in those conditions. It is Anthony DeMarco from the fourth period.com. What's going on at not too much, bud. How's it going on your end? <coughs> Pardon it's me. Going well, it's going very well. Jared uh, already checking in with some hand claps and Jared, I screenshotted your uh, exchange with us last night on uh, the post game show with Brian Smith and I on the Flyers broadcast network. And we're going to talk about that as well, but where I want to start Ant, is here. And here is where I want to start. Last night, I said it, I kind of, after the posting show on the radio last night, I took a little time before I recorded Flyers Daily, and I was trying to come to terms with how I felt about that game last night. And here's why. You get down two goals, you come back, you tie the game. You head into the third period, tied, and then, boom, two goals in 13 seconds, and then you battle back from another two-goal deficit. I like that they battled back. I don't like that they fell down two goals twice. Then they get into overtime. I did not like the decision by Hayes on that to try a slap pass with two guys deep and him as the high point man. Turnover goes the other way. Three on one ends up in the back of their net. They lose. I don't know if I should be happy that they battled back from two two-goal deficits, pissed off that they battled back from a two-goal deficit, then created another one with 13 seconds where they fall asleep, or happy with the point. I don't know. I am still conflicted. As I sit here at 1230 on 
what is today, Wednesday, of what to feel about this game because that's a depleted Columbus team, and you wanted two points out of that one. Yeah, I look, it, it wasn't a picture-perfect game by any stretch. You do have five goals, uh, and I think you're starting to see this team deal with Carter Hart not at his best, and that's not to say that he hasn't been good, but you know, it's three games in a row now that he has a sub-900 save percentage. And I think that the resiliency has been good, but you're also starting to see now a lot of the errors in their ways, specifically on defense, in that, you know, Kevin Hayes making that poor decision in overtime that leads to the the winning goal uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And overall, I think that it was a game that showed good resilience. I think they continued this trend of playing very well five-on-five and more or less dictating the pace of play five-on-five winning the, you know, possession battle, expected goals battle, all that, you know, last, last uh, night, specifically in the third period, I thought they really took it to Columbus that uh, led to their, you know, their comeback. And that was culminated by the power play goal by TK. But I think all in all, this was kind of like a game that kind of showed who this team is that, you know, you're going to work your bag off. You're going to fucking always come back from deficits. But at the end of the day, you lack a bit of talent and you don't have a roster that is maybe the best in decision making in the defensive zone. Yeah, and the the they lack that finish. But it was crazy because you know they get a power play goal. Torts has talked about they need their special teams to kick in goals because they're not going to be a team that's going to you know outscore their mistakes at five on five like a like Toronto for example or Edmonton. And you know, getting a power play goal oftentimes for them is the difference. And they get one last night. That was good to see. Um, but you know, the thing about that game is, you know, the, the, they were not ready to play in that first period. I mean, that first period, Ed, I think was their worst period of the season. I, I termed it, I was texting with Bill Meltzer. I called it just hideous. It was a hideous first period. They had nothing inside the, I mean, the shots, I don't even know that they were in the Columbus, wherever that arena is zip code, you know, no decent scoring chances. They're lucky to get out of the period down one. Then they go down two, but they battle back. Great. They finally get in on the fucking four check. Uh, Lawton gets in on the first goal, separates his man from the puck. TK in a perfect 2-1-2 split four check or 2-1-2 and supports, takes the puck. And then Hayes finds himself in a soft spot right in the middle and bangs it home. Great play. And then how about the fucking play from Zach McEwen? I didn't see this coming, dude, because we know him as a straight line skater and banger and all that. The deception he put on Merzlikens on that second goal as he just touches it over to Noah Cates, who's darting for the far post, was beautiful. Yeah, and like you said, we're not expecting that from Zach McHugh. jumping around all over up there. Oh, my God. He's being a real bastard right now. But uh, he's always like this. But... To be honest, I think we're, we have to become accustomed now to Zach McEwen really starting to become a different player. Not in the way that he's going to start setting up goals on the power play, but if you look at his underlying numbers, and I'm, I've been looking at the last six games more specifically, you know, he's a guy with a 54 Corsi rating, positive expected goal differential. And I think Zach McEwen, as long as you play him with the right type of guys, he's going to make some good decisions. Like, I don't think he plays overly well with, let's say, a Morgan Frost, because they just don't gel together. But Zach McEwen makes a brilliant play there. It was to Noah Cates, if uh, that was it, yep. right? He set up Cates. And Cates is more of a guy that kind of gels with the Zach McEwen, kind of that four-checker as well. And I think that the first period was god-awful, and Torts didn't mince words when he was interviewed by Boosh about it either. <laughs> you know, I did a radio hit earlier today on TSN, and they opened up my my segment with that clip. And I think that it, the message was heard loud and clear. And they come back in the second period. They get the game tied. And that was kind of the story of the game is that they would go to sleep for moments. And then they would have it blow up in their face. And then out of nowhere, they would come back and tie it up. Because even on the goal, it was Boone Jenner's goal, to the go-ahead goal to make them go 3-2 early in the third period. That was a poor decision by TK, trying to get the puck through traffic. It's Jenner right in the shin pads. And he has a breakaway from the red line in. So, I mean... It was the high point, man. Can't do that. Can't put the puck at risk in that situation as the the high point, man. Exactly. And he had Provorov and D'Angelo available on either side. So he had other options. But look, you know, TK made a mistake, but he's also been their best player all season long. So I think that you can live with those mistakes as long as you're coming back the other way 
and making up for it. And that's exactly what they did. They had, what, a bad 13-second stretch in the third period. And then I found they dominated the rest of the way. You know, you have a really good shift by Provorov, Willman. I thought Willman, or not Willman. Was it Willman or Millman? I always get Will- the mix up. Willman. Yeah, Max Willman. Millman. And there's Max Millman. <sighs> just to make it easy on us. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I thought Wilman had a really solid game. I was kind of skeptical about calling him up and over in favor of uh, Lazinski, but I thought he had a really solid game and I thought a really good shift by Frost, Wilman and Farabee results in a, in a goal that cuts the lead to within one. So, I mean, look, I think the story of the game was really that they had a lot of self-inflicted wounds, but they were able to bail themselves out almost all the way till the end. Yeah, I, I mean, they did do a good job of that. And they've been a resilient team from the drop of the puck this season. Like, that is something that we've seen much more of with this team. The resilience, the not tucking and running. And, you know, they're be, they're a team that is, you know, they're working really hard. And anything that they get is as a result of working their asses off. I just hated seeing... I just hated seeing them give up another two goal, you know, go down two again yeah. for the second time in the game. Like that just, that bothered me. And then you battle back again. And then I, I didn't love the decision from Hayes on the overtime goal. Like, I just don't like that decision with two, with D'Angelo and TK both down low. I just don't like the decision to put the puck in peril. It would have been smarter in that spot. Knowing now, I don't know if Hayes knows this when he's on the ice, but the opposition players, everybody was on the ice for Columbus north of a minute 30, a couple guys, minute 45 north. So you got tired legs out there. You're cycling and dictating. So they're really working hard in the three on three, a lot of ice to cover, pull that puck back, get fresh legs out there and attack them and pin them. But he puts it in peril and then he's got to defend the three on one and you got to know that that is not his strong suit. And, you know, they end up getting a point out of the game. I hate the loser point, by the way. I hate this kind of 500 shit. (laughs) There's a scoreboard. And if one team's got more goals than the other when the game's over, one team won, one team lost. I don't mind the loser point, but I think a regulation. I'll take it. (laughs) Exactly. But I just think regulation win should maybe be three points, like something like that. They should do something that kind of differentiates a bit more because I think that, and I think you and Bill were talking about it, that, you know, the way that the point system is set up now, like it's impossible almost to make up ground in a lot of ways. And it's just, it really convolutes the entire, it, or it makes like a lot of congestion in the standings. But on Hayes, you know, he's a guy that I think that obviously has caught a lot of flack. But if you look at, you know, his point totals on the season, he's a point per game guy. If you look at his underlying numbers, specifically the last six games, he's been one of their best forwards, especially given the fact of the role he's playing on the top line in all situations, more or less. But he is always someone that kind of leaves you wanting a bit more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've heard people say like, oh, you know, it's an albatross contract. It's a terrible contract. I've never really been in that boat because if you look at him over parts, I guess, of four seasons with the Flyers, he's averaged. I think that if you prorated over 82 games, he's pretty much been like a 52 point center. And I think for like a $7 million 2C, if you will, that's fairly on point, maybe overpaid by half a million dollars, if you will. But Hayes is just such a phenomenon to me because like he puts up raw points right now. I think his overall game is fairly good, but there's just points in games where you really are left wanting more from him. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to be, he's one of those players that he's not the most fleet of foot guy. He's a big body that doesn't play really big in the sense that he doesn't, you know, bang and, you know, he's not an overly physical player, uh, but he can really protect the puck. And I think the one thing in talking to Torts the other day, Torts really wants him to go to different areas on the ice without the puck. He said he's really been working on it. And it's not so much just about Hazy doing that and going to the right areas, but him making that effort to do, to, you know, to really get to the right spots without the puck. It's the trickle down effect that guys see Hazy doing it and working his butt off to do that. And he's one of the leaders of the team. And it's a, a good, you know, a good representation for all the guys to fall in line and do the right things uh, away from the puck. So, I mean, right now, 
and they're they're on the outside of the playoffs looking in. They're right now uh, two points back of the Rangers, who have wild card number two. Rangers have 19 points. Flyers have 17, but the Flyers do have a game in hand. We're getting close to American Thanksgiving, and we know that's that line of demarcation. If you're in the playoff picture at American Thanksgiving, 80% of the time you make the playoffs. I don't want to start talking about playoffs because my expectations haven't changed for this season based on what's happened so far. They just haven't. But I want to bring up this you know, message that Jared, who is on the stream again uh, now, that, that he put up last night. And I want to talk about this with you because he referenced you in the message. If I can just get this damn thing to open, it would be good to go. I can actually put it on the screen, I think so. Um, I'll put it here as the thing. And let me remove us or let me just move us to a right here. Ah, damn it. I can't. All right. Let me just put the other <laughs> background back up. Uh, I'll read what he said. So he, he tweeted in or messaged in last night. And this is what he said. He said that, you know, the Flyers this season so far, and he said, uh, ADN, Anthony DeMarco, thinks this is the best stretch of their season despite results. He said, I'm not sure I agree. He and I are usually on the same page. I see a lot of bad individual performances. I think you could rattle off two-thirds uh, two thirds of the roster that are underperforming. And I agree with part of that, Ant, and I don't agree with another part of that. I kind of addressed this last night. But let's start with the first part, the stretch that they're in right now uh, being their best stretch of play. I do agree with that, although the results aren't good. I think there's just been – you know, very consequential mistakes that have cost them and they're not getting the otherworldly goaltending. Yeah. And, and they've run into some hot goaltenders as well. Like Corpus last week had a really good, had a really good game. You had Cam Talbot on Saturday, have a really good game. I think Ottinger played really well on Sunday and look, there, there are parts of this that aren't good. You know, I think the power play for the most part hasn't been good. The penalty kill really struggled over the weekend You've had a lot of inconsistency from some guys, specifically, let's say, um, uh, what's his name, Farabee. I thought Farabee has struggled a lot. And then you have Carter Hart, who has a sub-900 save percentage in his last three starts. So, yes, there are nitpicks. But if you look at the overall process over the last six games, and I think more the last five games in particular, I think it's been good. And I think you look at their defense first and foremost – and I think that the last five games specifically, you've had uh, Travis Sanheim start to get his game right. Yes, you still want more of the offense, but obviously oh, on a team that, uh, as a lo- but on a team that struggles to score goals as much as he does, and he gets that D zone heavy deployment from Torts, I could live without a bit of the offense for now. I know Torts said he wants more offense, but I understand the role Sanheim's trying to play. I think Justin Braun has been really good in his role. He's played primarily with Sanheim somewhere along the line last night. I think it was late in the second period. He swapped with uh, Rosmus Ristolainen and went down with Nick Sealer. Nick Sealer has been excellent. Like In terms of playing your specific role this season, I think he has been absolutely phenomenal as your 5-6 defenseman. You know, he, in terms of on-ice expected goal differential, he has the biggest positive in that in that regard. And I think Ristolainen, since being a healthy scratch and coming back into the lineup, I think he's been better. And I think you saw him get rewarded for that last night where he gets put with Travis Sanheim back, well, back with Travis Sanheim in the in the third period. And look, I think against Dallas, he struggled for sure. I think you want to see him make plays more because I think he is an underrated guy with the puck in the offensive zone. But you see, he's positive in expected goals. He's positive in shots for and against. And I think they're really trying to have him simplify his game because they want him to play a certain way. And him too, he's gotten a lot of D-zone heavy deployment. But a lot of that has been on the third pair, so take that with a grain of salt. So I think overall, you've seen that defense play a lot better. I think Provorov's been really good, although he has been playing with Tony D'Angelo, who I think he's one of those players that is in kind of a lull right now. But overall, if you look at it on a macro scale, I think you have to say that this has been their best stretch. Yeah, you know, it's weird because I talked about this on the postgame show last night. I think it was the 2014-15 season. You know, we tend to look at results as it look, it is a results oriented business. That's pro sports. But I remember the Flyers, they were winning some games. They had like they had won like six of eight. 
and they really weren't playing well back in this 2015 season under Hack. And you could see that there was some trouble lurking on the horizon. And then they went into a skid. They had some unforgiving opponents, and they had lost after nine straight games they had lost. Hexy met with the media down in the locker room. I remember standing there. And he said at that time, because somewhere around game six of that losing streak, they started playing really well again, but they were finding ways to lose, you know, a consequential giveaway or a bad goal or whatever. And they had lost nine straight. And Hexy told the media that I really like the way the team's playing right now. They're playing really well. We just haven't gotten to win. And people freaked out. They're like, how the fuck can you say they're playing great? You've lost nine straight, blah, blah, blah. This guy's out of touch, fire him, blah, blah, blah. But he was right because then all of a sudden, I think they lost one more at 10, lost 10 in a row, and then they went on a run, won seven straight, and then won, I believe it was 11 of 12 games. And that play carried, and all of a sudden the results came back commensurate with the play. I don't know if we're going to see that thing happen here because this team, A, is so banged up, B, lacks high-end talent. I mean, you're without... Obviously, Couturier, you're without Atkinson still. You're without JVR. You're without Wade Allison right now. I mean, you're without some really – on a team that doesn't have a lot of depth, you're missing some really key guys here. Will they? Can they start getting some wins? I mean, we look – they have Boston on Thursday, which we talked about, Montreal, and then in Montreal, in your hometown. Then they're going to come home and take on Calgary. Then they get Washington, who's kind of scraping by. Pittsburgh on Black Friday, who's really struggling. They got the shit kicked out of them last night. Then a home and home with the Islanders to wrap up the month. Can the If they continue this play, do they start to get the, the good result with what's coming up through the remainder of the month? I think so. Like you have to, I know it's kind of like a, a buzz term, if you will, or a cliche, but you have to trust your process. And in a, t- like on a team that, doesn't have a lot of lofty expectations. You're not expected to make the playoffs. You're not expected to do much. You're worrying about the long-term play of the group. You're not worrying about the wins and losses. I think Torres even said that to the when he met with the team during training camp, that we're worrying about how we're playing, and then the wins will come after that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you want here, and especially from, let's say, if you look at this defense, that I think more or less this is how it's going to look for like the mid to long term. I think they've been playing really well. Like I said, look, like I said, like T- D'Angelo hasn't had his best stretch. I think Sanheim has been inconsistent, but the last five games in particular, he's strung it together. Provorov, I think, has looked real a lot better the last five games. Ristolina as well. But you're looking for guys to play the right way. And I'll look at a guy like, let's say, Morgan Frost, for example, a very polarizing player at the moment. He only has, what, one assist in the last 10 games or whatever? Nice but time. I think... Yeah, exactly. And I thought he meshed really well with Farabee and Willman. And I think that him and Farabee should stick together like glue. I don't think that they should be separated for the time being because mm-hmm. Farabee's a guy who was struggling probably the most out of any Flyers for the last six games. I think that Morgan Frost overall, his process the last six games has been really, really good. And I think that it's a decent enough sample size to say, look, overall, you're playing well. But the problem with Frost has been, I think he'll have one or two really good games and then one game where he's non-existent and he's just an absolute ghost out there. But now you're seeing, okay, in a six-game sample size, you were really good for four of those six. And then maybe if you stretch it to another six games, you're really good for 10 of those 12. And then that's how you try and develop a player to play the right way. And I think Frost, uh, didn't you say he got a decent amount of ice time more than usual last night? Yeah, over 13 minutes last night. Exactly. So that's more than a season average. I think he's been averaging 12 and a half. And you look at a guy like, let's say, Owen Tippett, who I think was someone who got demoted last night. Like in the third period, Lawton moved up to that first Mm -hmm. line and Tippett goes down with McEwen and Noah Cates. And Tippett, I think, aside from Travis Konechny, aside from last night, had been their most consistent offensive forward in terms of generating chances. So that just goes to show that the accountability is equal across the board. So, I mean, like, if as long as you keep playing the right way and the process holds firm, I think the wins are going to come. And I don't think Carter Hart is going to be giving you sub-900 save percentage for the rest of the way. He's in a three-game lull, perfectly justifiable given what he did in the first however many games that he played, what, six games where he didn't have a regulation loss. And I think eventually you'll start to win more games than you lose. 
Yeah, first eight games. He went six zero and two in the first eight. Um, and, and it's weird because I haven't watched Hart's game and gone. He's dropped off. He made some unbelievable saves last night against Columbus. His side to side lateral movement has been excellent. I can't wait to talk. Bush is going to be on on Friday. Brian Boucher is going to be our guest on Stick Talkie Live Friday. Nice. I can't wait to talk to him about what he's seen out of heart and and you know how he's bounced back mentally and stuff like that. And you know, Bush knows torts pretty well, as evidenced by that interview last night, which was awesome. Bush handled it so well. Um, <laughs> but but he knows torts and you know, what it's like to be a goalie for torts. I know torts says, I don't coach the goalies. I got to coach for that, blah, blah, blah. But there is still an element of the guy on the bench and affecting the goaltenders. Yeah. Like Jared just said, the, the lateral save in the first was insane. There was one in the third too. They got scored on right after. And he just, he, he has been, his movements and everything have been so good. I haven't seen his play drop off. I just seen the result drop off a little bit. Um, let's talk about TK because holy fuck, this dude and, you know, he's their most high-end offensive weapon. He's the guy that when he's on the ice, the opposition is very concerned about because in all zones, he can use his speed. He affects the game. I think he's just been – I think his shifts have been really diligent. Even in the games, and there's only been four games where he hasn't had a point, I think he's been an impactful player. But here's the deal. 16 games played, and he's got seven multi-point games. Got two power play goals, two game winning goals, uh, per eighty two right now. On the if you were to extrapolate his numbers, he would have thirty five point eight seven five goals. So basically thirty six goals per eighty two. He would have sixty one and a half assists per eighty two based on his numbers right now, and a ninety seven point three point pace on the season. He's averaging just under twenty minutes a game of ice time, nineteen fifty six. Never played that much. That's almost three minutes more than he usually his highest average. His shooting percentage is not through the roof at 12.7, as you pointed out before we came on. TK, I said he had to be this team's Bob Clark winner, Hart Trophy winner, the MVP outside of goaltending. And he's been everything and more than I could have thought he'd been. And he's, I think the leadership part is there too. He's been unbelievable. He's been fantastic, and as someone who has criticized TK a lot the last two years, I'll happily eat crow that he's certainly proving me wrong. And look, do I think that he's going to finish with 95 points? Probably not, but again, like taking this last six-game sample size, the guy's been brilliant. You know, 46.55 shots for per 60 compared with 30.31 shots against per 60. He's really cleaned up that defensive game that, look, he still has his defensive mishaps, but the one area that I criticized him earlier in the season was the fact that he was having a hard time in the defensive zone. But I think overall, he's really cleaned that up. And even when he did make mistakes in the defensive zone, I think it was in large part to the fact that he was trying to do too much with it. Like he almost get out on the rush too quickly too. Exactly. And I think that, and I think him and Hayes have really cleaned that up. And TK, like, it, it's brilliant to see, right? Because you have a guy that once upon a time was scoring at, like, a 30-goal, 70-point pace. And then out of nowhere, starting in the bubble in 2020, it just completely dried up. And now you've seen him being given a bigger role. Like you said, he's by far the best forward in terms of offensive upside. And probably overall, I don't think that's really up for debate at this point. And you have a guy on a really good contract at still a relatively young age. He's, what, 26 years old. And I think that overall, this is a guy that they were really waiting to kind of bounce back. And a lot of people, like even myself, I think you could have said that you wanted him traded in the offseason. But much like with Provorov, when we talked about a possible Provorov trade, it didn't behoove you to move on from TK when he was playing poorly. And now that he's playing super well, you could maybe get to a point where he has more value. And more so than that is that forget about a trade. Maybe you have a top line winger for the foreseeable future at this point to take over for Giroux or to take over Jake Voracek. And maybe long term you have a guy that, okay, this is a top line player. Now if we could just develop another 1C and maybe a left winger and you have that. And I think that the way that TK has played has really been able to slot other guys down a couple notches here because you don't have you at least you could say that okay that's one less guy playing above his head. And I think that even though Kevin Hayes hasn't been as good as TK, 
I think Kevin Hayes has also proven, you know, 16 points in 16 games he's at. I think that that top line has at least told towards whether it be Lawton on the left or Tippett on the left or Farabee on the left, although I don't think we're going to see Farabee there again. At least it's given us one bona fide line to say, okay, this group is a cut above the rest, specifically TK. And you can see it when you're watching games. Or I, I was sitting with uh, Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic uh, at the last, I guess it was on Sunday, and that line's out there and they're buzzing around, Hayes, Tippett, and Konechny, and they're creating great chances. And I just said to him, I said, could you imagine if you had two more of these lines? Not, you know, yeah. you don't. You have, and right now, I mean, that's a legit second line in the NHL. It's employed yeah. as the first line. But, you know, you can see the difference in pedigree when that line's on the ice. And the way that Tippett is, you know, I know he was moved off last night a little bit. And it's been a little in and out with that line. But, you know, the one goal against, I guess it was against uh, Ottawa where Tippett's in the middle of the ice. He hears Hazy yell for the puck on the right side. He spins it to him. Perfect pass. And Hayes is there, and I'm going, shoot that freaking puck. But Talbot gets over, explodes over, and sells out to get there. And Hayes recognizes it, goes back across to connecting. I'm going, too many passes. But the connecting just throws it right into the wide open net, and there's no chance for Talbot, who played, you know, played well in that game, 37 saves on 38 shots. And you look at that line and go, that's a legit line. You know, they need more of that. And if they can do that, then then they'll be on their way. But I've just been so impressed with TK. The way he's carrying himself off the ice as well. Like, I, I see him quite a bit behind the scenes. And I, I just see a guy that feels really comfortable where he is right now as a pro. He's 25. He'll be 26 in March. I think March 11th. He's got two more years on his deal at an AAV of five and a half, if he's giving you this kind of play, that is a fucking value contract. Let's just get it. Let's get his cousin in here. Uh, you know, let's, let's get Bo Horvat over here. Who's going to be uh shipped out of, uh, out of Vancouver. I wouldn't trade for Horvat cause it's going to cost you a 2023 first to get him. Uh, I'd rather just get him in the off season as a free agent, but Holy fuck. That dude's unbelievable right now. He has what? 13, 14 goals or whatever it is. It's crazy. I mean, look at the top scorers in the league and Bo Horvat. You had another one last night. Yeah. It's unreal. Yeah. 14 goals now. One behind McDavid. I wonder what, if Horvat would be a guy that you would bring in here, because I guess it's also going to depend on a lot is if they want to take that next step next year. I I would assume they would want to, if I'm a betting man, I don't think they want to do this. Him too. Leader. And he's a guy that, plays the center position you need more center depth i mean he's 27 years of age this is going to be a big contract for him but with your ltir situation you got some money to play with here jvr coming off as well i mean to me horvat looks like a a logical target i think that you know jvr coming off the books ryan ellis probably never gonna play again Atkinson and Couturier, I mean, I'm sure Atkinson will play again. Couturier, I'm sure as well. But I wonder if they look to move out some money on the back end. Like, I, I kind of, I'm wondering kind of about the the long-term future of Ristolainen here now. Mm-hmm. Because if he can't be, and look, like I said, the last six games overall, I think he's played better hockey. I think he's played simplified hockey almost to a fault. But, I mean, the numbers suggest that as well. But I wonder if he's going to be the long-term staple next to Travis Sanheim. They obviously have some depth coming on the back end. You know, Zamula hasn't been playing. Adderds apparently played well in Lehigh Valley, York, all that. But, I mean, I think if you could move some money around. But just with the Ryan Ellis LTIR and the cap expected to jump, I think it's $3.5 or $2.5 million. Depending on what Horvat wants, like I would have a hard time going more than eight million dollars with him. But I mean, depending on what he wants, it might be something that makes a lot of sense. I mean, his highest point total in the NHL before this season was a sixty-one back in eighteen nineteen. He had twenty-seven goals, thirty-four assists. So you got to be careful here. Like he's careering yeah. it right now at the right time. He's obviously on a heater. He's got fourteen goals, six assists, twenty points. Uh, in 17 games for Vancouver. I, I don't think he, he's not a superstar. He's not. No. He's a core type piece, like a Shifley, like, uh, you know, a, a kind of guy that you need. He needs out of Vancouver. They're not going to re-sign him. Um, 
So I, I th- to me, that's a guy. I think he's going to get moved this year to to some playoff team and be a big help. But uh, when you get to free agency, he'd be a guy that I would be sending some ticklers to through TK, going like, yeah. Dude, come to Philly. You well, know, they need center depth as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he just fits the bill. And then look, if you end up in the lottery and you end up with a, a high end player, now you got a high end player. You got Horvat. You get Couturier and Atkinson to return. I don't know what Couturier is going to be when he does come back. I saw him the other day. Um, he was at the rink with uh, his wife and daughter and um, talked to him real quick and said he's feeling good, feeling a lot better. Um, I don't know where he is in his rehab. We didn't get into a long conversation, but um, hopefully, you know, he, they can get him back and get him back this season, see what he's going to be, knock off some of the rust since he hasn't played since last December and kind of move forward from there with, with Coots. But, I mean, obviously he's an important component with – you know, the contract year, one of the deal right now. But you know, when you talk about Ristolainen, he's got four years after this one at 5.1. It, is is that a tradable contract to you? Because I think it is. I mean, I look at a team like Toronto or I look at a team like Ottawa who wants D. Ottawa needs a right-handed D. I send Ristolainen there right now for Tyler Boucher. Let's get Boucher's son here. Torts would love his son. He's a big physical kid, kind of like a like a, a Tom Wilson type, got some high end, uh, th- got some offense to his game, but is a kid that can throw the body around as well. Oh, I think Ant is frozen right now. Let's see if we can get Ant back here. But I think Riss Line is a contract that is movable. So, you there, Ant? Uh, maybe we'll boot. Oh, oh there, sorry, I, I lost you, you there. Yeah, yeah, I lost you. I think the snow took my internet down a bit. <laughs> you, you think that Ristolainen deal is movable? I think it is. I, I look at a team like like Toronto or a team like Ottawa looking for a right side D man. Ottawa needs some some physicality as well. I said let, let's send Ristolainen to Ottawa for uh, Tyler Boucher. Yeah, like I, I don't know how much value you would get on it in terms of like what you gave up. But I always say this, and look, everyone always gets very offended because they hate Ristolain and like all the pitchforks come out. But I always say that in a world where Eric Branson is being paid $4 million a year for four years and Seth Jones is being paid $9.5 million for seven more years, Ristolain has a market. What that market is, I think, will depend close to the trade deadline. I think Toronto is a team... That is interesting to me because, you know, the news comes out about Jake Muzzin yesterday about that, you know, there's a good chance the guy's never going to play again. He was their top shutdown guy. He had a lot of that playoff experience. He was a guy that I would say was their best defensive defenseman. And look, I don't think Ristolainen checks the box for all of that. Obviously, has never played in the playoffs. Obviously, not a great shutdown defense defenseman by any stretch. But he checks the box in terms of them needing a right shot defenseman. They have one right shot defenseman or two right shot defensemen on their roster right now. And Justin Hall isn't a guy that I think would be playing every day if they were a fully healthy roster. And I think he checks the box of being hard to play against, which is yeah. something that Toronto needs. They're not big enough on that back end. They have a lot of small puck mover type of guys, although they could stand to use a puck moving type of defenseman. But, you know, if you speak to people in Toronto, a lot of people would suggest that they need two of those guys. Like, yeah. to be honest, I think more of a guy that they would need in the immediate future would be more of a Justin Braun. But yeah. to be honest with you, I think that they could stand to use both Ristolainen and Justin Braun. And yeah. if you could try and provide, like, a Nick Robertson out of there or maybe a 2023 first-round pick out of there and a trade for that, you know, maybe that's something that you could explore close to the trade deadline. Like they're going to need to Capital do something for you in, in that equation as well at the 5.1 with Ristolainen. And the other part of it is, is what do they say about Ristolainen? Like he's built for the playoffs because of the nasty. Yeah. But he just has, he was in Buffalo and then he came here and it just hasn't been, he has, he's been like the playoffs are kryptonite to him right now or he's kryptonite to playoffs i don't know um, <laughs> but i could see that i think that's a movable deal you know like toronto absolutely needs some nasty they just don't have it yeah and and i think that they could make do with let's say like i really like tj brody he's injured too right now so they're they're really dealing with injuries on the back end but you know i really think that that's an an easier contract to move than people think 
you know, he took a discount in terms of what he was getting paid on his last deal. It's not egregiously long. And like I said, every summer in free agency, you see teams overpaying for right shot defensemen. Yep. Like Ilya Labushkin, I think, got a pardon me. It's the unicorn, right shot yeah. defensemen. Yeah, like Ilya Labushkin, I think, got almost $3 million from the Buffalo Sabres, and he's a healthy scratch right now. Yep. Like it happens. So, I mean, I think that a lot of teams will overvalue and even overpay for right shot defensemen, which is the whole reason why Chuck Fletcher overpaid to bring in Ristolainen in the beginning. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, Jared asked the question, do you know the answer for a dollar? The Avon Old Farms mascot? I think I know it. It's weird. No idea. All right, Jared, get out your checkbook and send me this, the, or Venmo me a dollar. I think it's the winged beaver, if I recall. Winged beaver. Okay. That's Is a that bit right? out there. Like Jared's got to let us know if that's right or not. Um, but pretty sure it's the winged beaver is their mascot. There's been a lot of big time players that went to Avon old farm school. A lot of big time. <laughs> like, the, like I think Brian Leach went there. Atkinson went there. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's been, that's been a, a great hockey factory. Avon, let me look at their. Yeah, it is the Wing Beaver. That's good by me, right there. That's that's a great poll. I'm trying to see. Peter Ferraro went there, and I'm assuming Chris Ferraro went there as well, because those two were fucking inseparable and kind of douchey. I played with those guys. Tyler Boucher, Brian Boucher went there as well. Um, yeah, Peter and Chris Ferraro played there for a bit as well, and uh, I played with those guys uh, for Mid Atlantic Dynamo. Peter and Ferraro played at Maine won a national championship there on that Korea team. Oh, damn. They were great players, but some of the biggest douchebags I ever played with. <laughs> but the twins looked exactly alike. You could not tell them apart ever. Yeah, Wing Beaver. There you go. Jared, send me a buck, brother. That's good <laughs> earning. Um, Eric got messages in and says, any chance we'll see York up this year? Uh, I think there's a chance it's going to, I think it's going to depend on if a D gets traded number one or injury uh, prevents, presents the opportunity, but I think they really want to see him take a, a step in the AHL this year to push his pace and push his offense and not be so laid back. I would agree with that. We need to see, I was texting with Lappy about him and they're, they're really kind of pushing that to him to, to be more, um, have to be more accounted for on the ice to push the pace because that's his game. That's what he does, right? And the defense is playing well right now. That's yeah. the thing. Like I, I like the guy that you would think that I think the problem, or I guess it's a good problem to have that they've really run into this year is that everyone just expected Nick Sealer to be your extra, but the guy's been so damn good in his role. Like how can you justify taking him out? Like he really hasn't made a lot of mistakes. Like, Every game he plays, like, I just think it's another good game from Nick Sealer. He looks really just consistent and solid. He's popped in a couple of goals. Got four points on the year. Uh, he's physical. It's like, you know what you're good. He's a known commodity. Not spectacular, yeah. but has been very solid. You wonder if that can maintain through an entire season. But, yeah, I've been impressed with him. And, you know, he's a torts and shawsy kind of player. Like, Bradshaw loves a guy like that. and. And coaches love the known commodity. Consistency. The back end. Yeah. You know when I put the guy in the lineup, I'm going to get an honest game out of the dude. Exactly. Especially from a third-pairing guy that you're not looking for him to light the world on fire. You just want someone who's going to play the right way. Yep. Um, you hearing anything in your reporting on uh, on Cam Atkinson? I know he traveled to Columbus, to, took a morning skate with the guys. And he sent an reported the other day. It's uh, a labrum in his shoulder maybe emanating up into the neck area. He's opted not for surgery at this point in rehab. You hearing anything on that Cam Atkinson front? Well, it's just been consistent in terms of them not having a set timeline. And I think that's in line with what uh, San Filippo reported, that they're going to see how he, ref how he feels after a couple weeks of rehab. And, you know, I think that all in all, they've been saying that it's something that could take a couple weeks, a couple days, a couple months, and next year, because if the rehab doesn't work, then maybe you ultimately have to get that surgery and then you're out for several months or whatever it will be. Yeah. So I think that you're probably going to have a better idea right before the holidays. That would be my, I guess, 
best guess at it, my best educated guess at it, because obviously what San Filippo says makes a lot of sense and is in kind of line with what I had been hearing, except he got the exact injury. But I think that this is something that it's going to kind of be like out of nowhere, like, okay, he's good to go or out of nowhere. Okay. Now he's having surgery and he's X he's out for X amount of time. Like, I think that it's something that kind of came out of left field. Like we had not heard about this all through the summer and then one minute you think he's going to be ready for opening night per torts. And then the next minute they're saying it could be several months. So I think it really is kind of like a touch and go thing right now. Yeah. And I mean, he's a player they could certainly use back in so many ways. So many ways. No. 100%. Um, and great stuff. What's up on uh, the fourth period.com that you got going on? Well, I'm going to write something up on the Calgary Flames uh, this uh, this week about is it panic time? Pardon yeah. me? We'll see yeah. them Monday here in Philly. Yeah, if it's panic time or not in Calgary. I had something on the Montreal Canadiens last week. And then uh, slowly as we creep into the winter, maybe we could start doing some of the rumor pieces. But I don't think things have quite unblocked yet on the trade front as we are not even at uh, American Thanksgiving. But after American Thanksgiving, it usually seemed like it's all systems go. Yeah, and we'll see where things go from there. Uh, great stuff as always, and thanks for doing this. Read and stuff on thefourthperiod.com and give him a follow on Twitter at ADemarco25. We'll talk next week, brother. Be good. Thanks, buddy. Take it easy. There he is, Anthony DeMarco on episode 18 of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Another fabulous appearance by Anthony, and uh, we'll talk with him next week. As I mentioned before, too, our guest on Friday's episode, will be the one and only from ESPN, the NHL on ESPN, former Blue Jacket, former San Jose Shark, former Arizona Coyote, former Flyer, former, uh, where else did he play? Boosh. He probably played a couple other places too, but we'll talk to Brian Boucher on Friday's episode. And you know I love talking to Boosh, and I can't wait to talk to him about when a goalie is feeling it. Because Boosh holds the record. The longest shutout streak record in NHL history. And he did it for an absolute shit show of a team in Arizona that year. The the shutout record. Exactly how long was it? Let me let me bring that up. Brian Boucher. That team, as a matter of fact, like did not even have that many wins on the season, but Bush just went on an absolute heater. The shutout streak was back in, let's see here, uh, Brian Boucher. It was it started in Nashville, gave up a goal in the last few seconds of the second period, and then he it went just on and on and on. Let me see. the Boucher, It began on December 22nd, 20, 2003. Allowed that goal from Scott Walker in the second period against Nashville, and then Boucher did not allow a goal for the final 25-45 of that game. Then he got his first shutout, 21 save a performance against the Kings on December 31st. Second came two nights later, 35 saves against Dallas. And a 26 save shutout against Carolina was next. That's three in a row. And then a shutout, 27 save effort against the Caps on January 7th. And his streak was at 265-45. But all said and done, I mean, it was just an unbelievable. Um, he didn't earn another shutout that season after the streak and the streak went on for 332 minutes and one second. Wow. Talk about going a heater. That is an unbelievable streak by Boosh. So we'll talk to him about when a goalie's feeling it and uh, we'll get into some great stuff um, with Boosh coming up on Friday, work at ESPN towards who he worked with last year and all that. So, a lot to get to with Brian Boucher. Let me tell you about the uh, Bet Parks Broad Street Boost for tonight. Well, it's actually tonight and tomorrow night. It's the Flyers money line. Here's the Broad Street Boost. Flyers money line for the Bruins game tomorrow night right, right now. It was at plus 250. Your Bet Parks boosted it to plus 300 for everyone. But if you use the promo code or the code underdog, one word, U-N-D-E-R-D-O-G, all caps, they will boost it to plus 350 tomorrow night. Flyers money line, the code is underdog, boosted to plus 350. I know Boston's 14 and 2. I get it. They've been absolutely incredible. Top team in the NHL. 9 and 0 at home. 
think the Flyers go in there and cash on that on that boost of plus three fifty and get a regulation win. Boston's due to lose. So we'll see if the Flyers can do that coming up uh, tomorrow night. Again, underdog is the code. Get on the Bet Parks app and uh, check out all the different ways you can bet. Some game parlays, live in-game betting, player performances, props, parlays, teasers, you name it, on all the sports. Hockey, hoops, college and pro, football, college and pro, uh, soccer, you name it, tennis, anything that's out there that's happening in the world of sport, you can bet on it on the Bet Parks app. So check it out. Uh, you need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And, uh, of course, our other sponsor, Conquerville Subaru. Fantastic time to get down there. And starting tomorrow, it's the Subaru Share the Love event. It begins tomorrow through January 3rd, and Subaru is going to donate $250 for every new car sold to one of five charities, and you get to pick. ASPCA is one. Make-A-Wish, Meals on Wheels, Nations Parks, and Conquerville Subaru's hometown charity charity the namor's children's hospital of delaware so remember a great time to check out the showroom on route 202 in glenn mills check out a list of uh, incoming subaru vehicles and uh, their certified pre-owned inventory and check them out online at conquervillesubaru.com visit the showroom on route 202 in glenn mills and remember conquerville cares we'll be back friday for episode 19 brian boucher from espn the nhl on espn will be our guest on friday join us then leave us a five-star rating and review if you're watching on youtube Hit that subscribe button. That'll help other hockey and flyer fans find this content as well. Everybody, have a great day. Enjoy your hockey, and we'll talk to you Friday on a brand new Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Have a great day, everybody. Hey.